0: Welcome to episode 108 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, so welcome along to episode 107, is it John? 108. 108 of Ironman Talk with Coach John Newton and Bevan James Isles. It's good to, good to hear John. We've had a few technical difficulties over the last couple of weeks, so he's on the cell phone up in Kaiteri. How are you going, mate?
1: I'm going pretty good. It's nice and clear and sunny up here, unlike Christchurch.
0: Just I, I through a five-hour bike ride today, and it didn't happen. ended up going to the gym, doing some spin, a bit of a tech, and, uh, yeah, it was hardly a training day. Anyway, today's show is brought to you by Coffees of Hawaii. For all your coffee needs, trybuyers.com, your online try shop, Athlinks.com, social networking for endurance athletes, plus all your tracking results and social needs. It's going to be a bit of a different show this week. We're going to do a quick news, um, maybe a few questions and answers at the end. And then we have a, an interview of a lady called Vicky Jones. Now, Vicky Jones was a mother who had never really done much triathlon before, started doing the triathlon, got into the John three year plan, and ended up winning owner in her age group the first year she was there. went back and backed it up in the second year. So we thought it would be a really good interview just because. It was your chance to see what a mother, you know, of a child, and she'd only just had a kid in the second time round, kind of how she does it and, you know, some pretty inspirational stuff there, eh, John?
1: Yeah, no, she's a very talented big lady, and, uh, and as, she, as she talks about it, needs to be very well organised and have the right support crew around her, so you guys will hear more about that in a moment. Mm.
0: There you go, John Bo. Well, what's happening in the news this week? We've got Iron Man Vegas died when the community of Las Vegas went belly up.
1: Yeah, so we, we had a sent through from an uh, anonymous source um, because we did report a few months ago that uh, WTC were looking to put an Ironman at Vegas. It would be a pretty cool location for a race, um, but it appears that it's now not going to happen. Apparently they also tried St George, um, which is in Utah, I believe, and that also flops, so there's um, still some space somewhere on the American calendar for an Ironman race in April because, uh, as we have already reported, that... Arizona is going to be shifting to November, so um, they'll be looking for an early season race. Obviously, somewhere where the temperature is going to be warm enough for it.
0: And you can pretty much guarantee it's going to set out in the first two minutes, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly, they
1: always do. But it's uh, yeah, I would have thought Vegas would have been a fantastic location for a race. Um, oh yeah. It's been a bit to me.
0: Well, you you like a bit of a flutter, don't you, mate? You know. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm not. I'm impartial to the odd little uh, bit here or there. So. <laughs> No, it would have been, would have been cool, um, and it's a shame they probably have didn't get past the, the paperwork stage, but hey, um, I'm sure they'll find a good location at some stage. But the
0: thing that would have been cool about it as well is it would be a great family trip, you know, because you go do your race, be there a few days beforehand, you know, you actually have the Vegas experience around the race, but oh well, not to be. Yeah, not to
1: be. Not to mind. be. So anyway,
0: there's a bit of a goss going around. We've got lots of gossip this week, haven't we? Goss going around that Mike Pig may be making his...
1: Yeah, apparently signed up for a seventy point three race. Um, I'm not quite sure if WTC have got a contract with him or whether he's just coming out of retirement. And um, but it's good to see him up at that race. And he was an absolute powerhouse in his day. I mean, he did, he did do very well at Ironman. Um, never won Kona, but he was certainly up up there. But in terms of short course, uh, he was you know very very talented guy and uh, won a lot of races. Very very strong on the bike. I mean, he was strong all round. But his his weapon was really was the bike. So. It'd be interesting to see how is aged. you know, we know we often talk about um Melina and uh Dave Scott, how they've sort of carried on pretty nicely. Mark Allen sort of dropped off completely. Um and we haven't really heard much from Mike Pig in terms of on the international scene since he did um give up. I'm not quite sure exactly when he did give up, but uh yeah, it'd be interesting to see what sort of shape he's in. Do you think
0: um do you think actually like do you think you'll do any good or is it just like you know, just kind of like I don't know, top age group kind of stuff or
1: I think he'd be top age group. I mean he must be um must be in his mid forties I'd say at this stage at least. Uh so you know, I can't see yeah, I can't really see him being that competitive, but I think, you know, um I'm sure he'll be very, very high up in this age group.
0: Okay, uh Norman presents anti doping program. What's that about? I
1: read that one. I just saw that on K two T six today. Uh so basically Norman Sadler, um, I think the year before last, set up a, a basically a pro team um, based around Obviously, his sponsors. Um, I think he's got six on his team this year. Last year he had um, uh, a couple of guys on there, and they're really taking the doping diet, fight um, in, in their own hands, really. They, they get well-tested in Germany, as we've heard from German athletes, but they're also going to be doing... Uh, 12 tests, each athlete will have to go through 12 tests It will be done um, you know, independently, one day they'll be doing the testing themselves. So it's just good to see that they're going to be tested by the, the German um, governing triathlon body and also going to be doing testing on top of that. So it's really just saying that he's as squeaky clean as he can be um, and really trying to go out there and, and prove that he's uh, he's racing clean and, um, yeah, good on I reckon.
0: Yeah, I reckon too, because, you know, like, someone like Norman, who is just such a phenomenal athlete and his cycling is just so special... You know, when you have someone who's that much better than everyone else, there's always kind of speculation around why they are so good. And he's obviously just kind of proving the fact that he isn't, and then maybe he has to go a little bit further to prove that. But good on him for doing it, eh?
1: Yeah, uh, but it, it does require a lot of money, and that's probably one of the requirements of a sponsor. That they, you know, in Germany, um, they're really going off the cycling. A lot of TV channels aren't covering it because of all the doping. Oh. Um, so these, these guys need, you know, for the sponsors to get good exposure, they need to be clean. Um, so. Uh, no, I think it's fantastic and, and good on them but unfortunately you need the money behind you to be able to do this. I'm sure every athlete out there would love to see you know, get tested 25 times a year um, but, you know, these tests cost thousands of dollars each time you get one single test so um, cool.
0: it's what great to see it, it happen. Well, what, what is good is that with the, them going off the cycling in Germany potentially a triathlon could kind of maybe fill that gap a little bit. That'd be good for
1: the sport. Yeah, uh, it's, it's already a massive sport and uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the doping cycle's just been going on for so many years now and it's just been getting bigger, you know, the news has been big and, and people are starting to turn off, you know, for a lot of years they didn't turn off their TVs, they kind of knew about it um, but I do get the feeling that people are getting a bit sick of it now and, and they are losing um, losing some audience and, I mean, Triathlon's reasonably big in Germany as it is um, and, and hopefully this can make it a bit
0: bigger. So it was a pretty interesting time over the last weekend It was the weekend before last now, wasn't it? Chrissy Wellington went and did a an ITU race, and it was a pretty small ITU race, not many females in the female field, and uh, wasn't that amazing? What happened, Jumbo? she got smoked
1: um yeah she did i mean there's no no way of sort of um we can't words really too much here but she did get absolutely smoked she was well off the pace in the swim and uh and she was well off the pace in the bike and the run as well obviously on the bike she would have been with a poor bunch um because she was so far back after the swim but um she still didn't run that well I thought she, at least she might have run well but it just goes to show you you know um Athletes who haven't done short-course racing and they go straight into Ironman often lack those skills and that real high-speed stuff that's required to do well on the World Cup circuit. So, and, and, and as you said, it was a small, uh, not the strongest World Cup field that you, you'd find. Uh, it was great to see Sam Warriner from New Zealand winning it, but um, yeah, she, she got well beaten. Um she was only 25, uh, 26
0: female pro.
1: Yeah, and I think she was about 22nd or something, yeah, so she was so. just uh, near the back. But good on her for going over there and giving her a crack, you know. Um, I think had it been, you know, for some non-drafting races, I mean athletes have got to stand a much better chance, but in the, the thick of it, you know, when they've got to absolutely smack it in the swim and smack it very hard to the start of the bike, they're always going to struggle. You, know, you see guys like Chris McCormick and Craig Alexander who come from short-course background, they can switch a little bit there, but, but like I said, I think if, uh, for athletes that have come in long course, and they try to do a short course, so it's, um, it's pissing and villain stuff.
0: So we had in uh, China a few weeks ago, and uh, had some, you know, it was obviously a pretty hard day at the races, and John's actually found some stats about it. For those who love Iron Man, follow Iron Man closely and love the stats, you want to do one for one?
1: Yep, um, apparently there was uh, about 500 starters at the races, it was actually sent in by a listener, um, but I can't remember who it was. So there was 500 starters, and apparently only about 300 or so finished. Wow,
0: only t- 25 people, including all pros, who were able to run the sub-4 marathon, and that was on a dead-flat course. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that is crazy, isn't it? Um, our
1: source was told that they had the highest dropout rate of any Ironman course, but the figure wouldn't be that hard to achieve with such a small field. Oh,
0: true. After 10 hours of racing, we only had 11 people cross the finish line. Yeah, that is crazy, isn't it? That's ridiculous. That is <laughs> yeah, that's 10 hours. Imagine, eh? you know, oh, I did a race, got 10th. 10 hours. <laughs> exactly.
1: Only one person in the whole race was able to post a sub 9 hour time and that was Olaf Shibuster so again um, that, that's ridiculous on, on a course where the, where the terrain was not that difficult.
0: Okay so I stopped my watch after 10 hours and I burnt just over 11,000 calories in this race um, compared to my Redfish efficient race time of 9 hours 58 in New Zealand where he'd only burnt yeah, 9,300 plus, he yeah, had probably extra 30, 40-minute walk in China, so burning a lot more calories.
1: Yeah. Another thing that we often see in hot races, when he's saying uh, when he was running, his heart rate was around about 160 to 170 beats a minute. Um, he was running six to seven-minute Ks. Um, he normally sits on four-minute 30 to five-minute K pace, and his heart rate is 150 to 160. So it just wow. goes to show how hot it was and, uh, and how that really elevates your heart rate, even though you're going slower.
0: It's ironic, because your heart rate's trying to slow your body down, isn't it? I mean, cool it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, I walked for about two k's before I was taken away by an ambulance. During the walk, no time, nobody took uh, overtook me. Everyone in the whole field, pros and all, were walking. Imagine that. Imagine being in a race where, you know, you got all the guns and all that, just walking to survive to the end. It was just a race of survival, wasn't it? It
1: was. And, um, you know, this fellow who sent a report in said, um, you know, he had some really cool things about the race. It was... Uh, obviously a bit unique being in China and all the cultural differences you have over there, but there were definitely some negative things coming out from the race. Um, You you always get this. I've done a lot of racing in Asia, and they just don't really know what triathlon is, um, and they don't really know how to man um, aid stations, so apparently there's some issues at aid stations, and they weren't giving out... Drink bottles, you know, as you get a bike bit on, it was just like bottles of Gatorade with the water uh, with the lid off it. So oh, it sounds right. like they did some good things over there, but there were some things they're really going to need to sort of spruce up um, to sort of keep that Ironman brand um, intact for next year. But Especially when you know, you the um, heat. You know, if
2: you can't get your
1: water bottle, it's like, that like that. Exactly. Apparently, people were just pulling over and just uh, filling up all their bottles on their bike, and then sort of carrying on. And that's what's required. I know I did an Olympic distance race in Malaysia once, and I think I went through you know, nearly three bottles on the bike, and it was only an Olympic distance race. Mm-hmm. You know, It's so, so hot over there. Uh, it's it's different heat to Hawaii as well. So, yeah, thanks very much for sending that in. I <laughs> well, haven't got it in front of me here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, good, it's good to get some feedback from China.
0: Hey, so we did a Hot Topic uh, two weeks ago now, uh, the top 10 male tri- I- Ironman triathletes of all time. And uh, we're going to let that run for the next two weeks just because we're away and the show's a little bit different over the next two weeks. But in next week's show, it's really cool because we kind of lost last week's show, so I kind of had to get an extra show in. So I went around to Scott Molina's house, and I've got him to do his top 10 male and female Ironman triathletes of all time. And that's pretty much the whole show next week. So chuck yours on the blog and go to com. go to our blog, and then actually just put your own on. But listen up next week. It's really interesting listening listen to Scott. Uh, talk about, you know, what he thinks about the times and just how the, the sports kinda changed over time. It was re- it was a really interesting talk. He's a wise man.
1: He's a wise man. So and we'll uh, we'll have to, Okay. So we'll have to do ours uh
0: the week after when you get back from holiday. We will. When uh when so I got in there, I was miserable. I was so cold. I've been the rain had been pouring on me. probably you'll hear this next week, but it was one of the coldest training days I've ever had in my life. I got in there and Scott was telling me later on that when he was a kid when he first started racing, he basically would basically look for second-hand stores, which are clothes stores, and like halfway through a ride, if he just had no food, I mean no clothes that were warm, he'd basically walk in and he'd say, "I got a long way to go. Can you give me some clothes?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> Those guys have got some good stories. They're old-school guys in the early days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we've got Vicky Jones on the show now. She's, as you said, a two-time Hawaii age group champion. Uh, she's only done um, race twice and two and, uh, and one both times. She's also obviously won her age group in New Zealand, uh, first up, first race, and she has had one race uh, racing as a pro in Canada where I think she finished about sixth or seventh, something like that. Um, so we just thought it would be really good to get a, a female perspective on the show for a change. We get to be a lot of guys and also a top female who might be able to and some good age group tips to all
3: you all you listeners out there. Okay, so on uh, on the show today, we're very happy to have a two-time world age group champion, in Kona. Another legend on the show. Legends we like, and more importantly, Kiwi legends oh, is what we like. We love it. So we've got Vicky Jones, who's an athlete from Wellington, New Zealand, and she started racing in 2003, and uh, we're going to just talk to her a bit about... Well, back that, 10 months after birth of a second child. Yeah, I know, very impressive. <coughs> so, so welcome along to the show, Vicky. Hi. Yeah, and we're just going to talk to Vicky a bit about her background, and, and we do like to get some age groupers on the show to sort of talk to you guys about how they managed to fit in training with, with life and um, and what sort of taken them to the top. And uh, Vicky also raced as elite in Ironman Canada last year. We remember following that. So lots of good stuff. So, Vicky, just tell us a bit about um, about your background. You know, you only got into the sport, you know, four or five years ago. What sort of drove you into the sport and, um, and particularly maybe why Ironman?
2: Yeah, well... Um... Well, I've always uh, played a lot of sport uh, for years and years. Done netball quite competitively at sort of regional level, and then of course had uh, had children and stopped all the netball netball stuff. And there yeah, it was just a way of really getting back into some fitness. And um, had a friend down the road who was training for her uh, for a standard distance to qualify for the um, world champs actually down at um, Queenstown. And, um, and yeah, got her got her number, and uh, she gave me Kim Nicholson's number, and I decided to do my first standard try, and um, just as a, a goal to get fit and yeah, and so once first year did the standard tray and then uh following year was half iron man and then um Kevin was Oh, I think you might be quite searched to the Iron Man distance and uh, sort of set this um you know, so the seas for maybe qualifying for Kona and doing the double with the uh, the standard world champs that were in Hawaii in two thousand and five and then a week later with the Iron Man. Yeah. And I um, thought, oh, well, there's a bit of a goal, to, a bit of a challenge. And, uh, of course, it's quite a big challenge when you haven't done an Ironman before. But, uh, yeah, so that's what really how 2005 started with um, um, Ironman and Tapo, And, yeah, just followed through from there. And it kind of snowballed, really. I certainly didn't really have an intention to keep going like I did. But, um, yeah, just sort of one after the other. And when you do well, it's pretty addictive.
3: So, so, so prior, prior to your, your um, triathlon career, there was no, you know, through school and stuff, did you do competitive cycling or, or running?
2: No, not at all. I actually picked up cycling, literally picked cycling up, you know, when I first started training for my first triathlon, I had to, you know, before that I'd done a couple of sprint tries where I'd borrowed bikes off people, and that was about the extent of that. So, no, um it's kind of weird, really, because cycling has turned out to be my strength, and um, but I haven't had any... Any um, training whatsoever in cycling. I mean, for netball, I kept fit by running. Yeah. But I mean you know, I didn't race completely for running or anything, and then did the odd bit of swimming. But I had to learn how to swim too yeah. a few years ago because I had my, I didn't know anything about the rotation technique. Yeah. So it was um yeah it's all been I think for me I've just been lucky enough there and I'm just solid at all three disciplines and not necessarily you know uh, you know top of the range in any one of them, but it's um just you know balanced out really well for me.
3: So, so looking back, maybe at your first Ironman that you did, was was there any big surprises in there for you, or did things go pretty much according to plan? Or any tips or mistakes you might have made when when you did your first one that, that other people may learn? Oh, from?
2: the first one, the first one's pretty scary for anybody. I mean, you you do all the you do the training, you stick to your program, and that's one of the key things as well as having faith in your program. But it's it's you know it's the unknown. I mean, you haven't done you never train that full distance and so you just have no idea there on the day you're going to be able to cope with it. So, um, yeah, besides that particular I mean, I mean, I did have one of those races where it seemed to all kind of fall into place for me. I mean, obviously the run hurt like hell and I don't think yeah. it's, it's even not going to hurt like hell. But, um, yeah, I don't know, Just it's, you just got to have faith in, in what you've trained and what you've done with your coach really because um, it is a scary thing, and you just don't know whether you're going to be able to do it or not. And uh, and just pacing yourself is obviously one of the, the key key things for um, for first time because if you go out there, I mean, the tendency to go out there hard is is you know pretty great. You're feeling good, and um, but if you can't sort of pace yourself to finish by the end, it's uh, you're all going to go to custard. I can actually remember on, the first, on that first race, I came out of transition and happened to come out of transition at the same time as my coach, Kevin, and he'd always said to me, you know, take it really easy for the first, sort of, you know, get up to the, the raceway kind of thing. And I thought I was taking it easy, but luckily I was behind him and I realised how easy he actually meant. And I was able to sort of pace myself behind him for a while and then he took off, obviously. But, um, yeah. you know, it's, just, it's things like that. So it's just trusting your plan, really, is really one of the key things and don't suddenly throw that out the window on the day. Have you
3: beaten your coach at all yet?
2: <laughs> Not at Iron Man, no. <laughs> no, he keeps on sort of sneaking away a few minutes earlier than a few minutes quicker himself, so it's uh, the challenge is still there, maybe.
3: Good.
0: So, so, what were the biggest challenges you found early on that maybe kept you in, You know, because obviously the one you kind of got addicted. What were the biggest challenges you found during that first race and how did you overcome them?
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's I mean, having a family obviously as well, I mean, it's the time commitment is one of the the huge things um, I mean anybody that's training for Ironman doesn't matter what you've got going on in your life it's it's pretty hard to. you've got to make sacrifices and um, yeah the key thing is just being well organised and uh, for your training for me anyway I had limited opportunities limited slots and so there was no procrastination it was like right there's my slot you've got to use it and go for it um, the other thing is I think it's, it's a tough sport to kind of you know, to get to understand and to get right the first time, when there's so many elements to it. There's, there's different types of training and equipment and racing and nutrition, and you know, a lot of it is trial and error. But you know, I'm lucky to have um, a lot of uh, a lot of support from Kevin um, and the tri community, and lucky enough to have some sponsors behind me as well with Orca as well. So, but um, yeah, it's, it, there's certainly lots of challenges there. The time time being the biggest thing, and I think that's, that doesn't matter whether you've got family or you're working. It's the, it's going to be the hard thing, and sacrifices do have to be made. So, having a good support crew is definitely the key. Mm-hmm.
3: And I know Kevin's a bit of a uh, hard sort of taskmaster. What, what would uh, when, you, <laughs> when you were training for either Tapo or Kona, what was a, a typical training sort of week in, in terms of volume for you?
2: Um, sort of in that specific stage, I was getting up to sort of twenty-three, twenty-six hours a week was my was the time sort of commitment involved. Um, you know, if you broke that down, probably sort of 5 hours swimming, 13 hours biking, seven hours running, um, yeah, that was I, I you know, I mean, that was the most I could really commit to it. I mean, I did my first pro race last year, but it, you know, I couldn't really still, I couldn't really step up to train as like most of the pros would either. Was sort of stepping up to the next sort of the 30s, 40 hour bracket. That was a bit much, but yeah. uh, I did do one of the key things I did do was. Um, having some uh, kind of a, an epic week, not quite the epic camp that you run, but, uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, where I would hit the kind of 40 hour mark, and, the, and that, that certainly has, you know, obviously puts a really good base into you and things, and that's, uh, and mental, mentally as well, obviously makes you a bit tougher, so yeah, those things have all helped.
0: Looking back on, you know, the things you did earlier on, what are some of the things you've learned that maybe if you were to do your time again, you'd do differently?
2: Um, yeah, it was sort of half thing. One of the half things I found after um, my first win in, in Kona, I you know, it, there's a lot of hype, and it could have go th- can go, to your head a little bit, and all the rest. And yep. sort of coming into my next race, I was, I got a little bit caught up in what other people were doing, and where I thought I'd be placed, and you know, just in, without sort of, again, focusing a bit, and um, not focusing enough on my own race as such. And so I didn't have my greatest race, that Camarper, um, which happened to be that horrible shortened race as yeah. well. Ah, okay. So. That, but that actually gave me more motivation to go back to Kona because I just wasn't happy with how I had dealt with it in um, in Taupo. So, and then I just I, I just came back and just focused on myself again and forgot to you know, forget about what other people were doing. <laughs> oh, just
0: just one thing we haven't really talked about Kona. Well, like you went to Kona. Did you think you were good enough to win your age group? Were you totally surprised and? With that experience? Oh,
2: you know, that pretty much blew me away really. I mean, Kevin kind of thought that I might have a chance of um, podium in there and um, I like, oh god, you know don't put that pressure on sort of thing. <laughs> I mean I I really have gone in, the, in there with no expectation. Well the first time obviously no expectation and just to finish the race. I mean that's all you can really do I mean burning yeah. only my second iron man. My, my goal was to finish it. Um, I mean I knew the training was there but you just tone you is you, just a whole, such a different thing. I mean you don't know how you're going to deal with the heat and I've been lucky enough not to have too many wind issues on the two years that I've done it. But, um, yeah, no, so it really did, it did blow me away. I mean, I um, obviously, I was in the run stage, I started to get an idea that I was getting... Uh, I was up there and things, and so anybody that might happen to pass me, you'd have a quick look on the back of their legs and go, <laughs> I'm OK. But at the end of the day, I, I don't know if I could. I probably wouldn't have been able to step it up if someone had passed me. You know, you just do what you can do yeah. kind of thing. So uh, uh,
3: when you are out there racing, whether it be Taupo or Kona is there a case that you are consciously looking out for people in your age group and do you have people on the sidelines sort of telling you, well, you know, you, you're second at the moment or you're first, or, or are you pretty much doing your race and just simply trying no to get some. I mean, you
2: can't, yeah, you can't help but not look at that, you know, if part of you, what yeah. age group they are or, or, or who they are. But at the end of the day, I think that it's so important just to do your own race. It's, uh, if you start kind of losing that focus, then you're, you're gone really. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, You've got got your own race plan and... and Pace yourself and and whatnot, and you just. Uh, I mean, one for instance, in, in Canada, I actually came into transition with Lisa Bentley off the bike, yeah. and uh-huh. you know it could have been obviously quite easy to try and keep up with her on the run, but it was just like nah <laughs> there's no way in hell here. I'm just doing stick with my plan, my pace, and you know off I go kind of thing. So you could have really got caught up a bit there, but yeah. you just got to pull yourself back. <laughs>
0: so so you go back to Kona the second year. You won it the first year, age group the first time in Kona. You know what your second Ironman was it? Yeah, yeah, second Ironman. So, yeah. so you you know you put off a pretty awesome effort your first year. What was it like going back the second year? Because now there's an expectation. Well, you've won it before. There's a level that you have got to maintain. What was the experience like in a different way? You know, what was the difference between the first and second year based on that?
2: Yeah, well, it's. I mean, yeah, it was, it was. That was tough because there's definitely expectations there, and not just what what I perceive as other people's expectations, but my own my own expectations. So there was definitely that added added bit of pressure there. But. Um, yeah, I mean, the only advantage of going back to Kona, though, is you kind of, you know what you're in for and, um, you know, you know all the ins and outs and uh, what the heat's going, how, the, how to deal with the heat and all that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, at the end, end of the day, you just got to do your own race. Uh, it's, um, so, uh, you know, I was very, very nervous and I struggle I do struggle with that the week before the race um, mm-hmm. building up. I, I, you know, get pretty pretty wound up and yeah. hard uh, find it hard to to. To relax and stuff, but I think once you get into the race, you just you're okay. You just sort of
3: do, do your stuff and get on with it. Oh, great. So, I mean, for probably more for our Kiwi listeners who you know have qualified for Kona and maybe haven't been before, I mean, are there any things that you did differently in your build up for Kona? Obviously, you got to get through winter um, to prepare yeah. for that race in particular.
2: Um, I, I think I did. I did do some. Uh, whether it helps or. Not, I'm not sure, but sort of the last 10 days out um, before heading off over to Kona, I did, uh, jumped into the saunas for 30 minutes after a training session yeah. and uh, yeah, struggled away there without trying to drink too much, just to sort of practice the hydration and whatnot. Yeah. So that, that kind of sucked, really. But anyway, I did that. And um, I also went over to Kona. I mean, I was lucky to have the luxury of going over there with plenty of time to to acclimatise, really, I had two weeks before, yeah. which did give you an advantage of um, being able to do usually one long last ride and one longish run over there in the heat, which I, you know, I found really beneficial sort of thing. Yeah, so um, yeah, but I think, I mean, even though we're training through a winter, in a way, it certainly makes you mentally tough to get over there, which means so, yeah. at the end of the day, that's what Ironman's all about: the mental toughness.
0: What are, what are the big errors you made in Kona? Did you, or did you make any? You one? so you kind of got two things wrong. Or any Iron Yeah. What, what are the big errors? Maybe you've learnt that you could pass well, on to What are the big errors you've really made? Maybe an Iron Man, or if you maybe haven't made that many, you seem to be pretty successful. But you know, what are some of the big mistakes you maybe have made?
2: Yeah. Well, once again, going back to just that time when I kind of got a bit um, caught up and in what other people were doing, and yeah, um, yeah. and losing focus on my own race. That's probably the the key thing I've learnt. And so now I just sort of go into a race. Okay, these the expectations are there, but it's just it's, it's about me, and it's about what I want to do, and stick to your race plan. It's it's. I mean, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to that. I I write a pretty thorough write race plan for each one, and and um, spend a lot of time reading that and, and having in my head what I want to do. And um, yeah, so come to the day, it feels like second nature, and just sort of stick to it.
3: Um when when it comes to racing I mean I know you probably don't want to give away too many of your trade secrets but uh <laughs> nutrition's always a big one for a lot of people um yeah. and, and they really struggle with that I mean for you personally how do you sort of fuel yourself through through an Ironman day Yeah
2: well I actually um whether it's right or wrong, but it seems to have worked okay. Um, I have, I live off basically gels and power bars, you know, working, working off that kind of 30 minutes, 30 minutes have a gel, the next 30 minutes have, you know, a third of a power bar, alternating that and also your electrolytes in between. Um, yeah, I, I haven't really tried stomaching anything more solid than that. Um, I must admit, by the end of the run, you're, you're pretty over the lipins, but not much you can do about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't say I've had it. I've done it perfectly either. I mean, I've had a couple of runs. Uh, the, actually, Cone the second time, I, I was pretty much bonking in the first five k's of the run, and mm. um, had to walk some aid stations and, and things like that. And I had the shakes and all the rest. So, nice. I, you know, and it's so hard to identify what it is. Is that. It's caused that because there's just so many elements involved. Um, so I haven't, I don't think I've had uh, quite got it perfect, but I've, I've got it enough to obviously finish the race and, and do pretty well. So yeah.
0: Okay. So one thing we're really fascinated, and we talk a lot about on the show about balance for family life. Um, you know, you did your first Ironman ten months after having a baby, which seems wow, yeah. pretty, pretty unbelievable to me. But um, how, how do you? You're obviously a bit of an expert in this. How do you maintain the balance of you know family, fitness, lifestyle?
2: Yeah. In a way, I think um, having a family is actually probably a, is almost a positive with Man. I know it is tough, but it's uh, it, it means that you, you get home from training and you've just got to switch off. Yeah. You, can't, you, you can't think about Man twenty-four seven. You've got it. You get home might might have gone out from a six or seven-hour bike ride, but the kids don't care about that, no. and you've got to switch on to being a mum. And um, so, because Ironman can will try, I think can be a, quite a selfish sport. Yep. Um, so this way it, that does provide you that balance which I think is actually really important so there is something else in your life um, the only only uh, problem was that if you missed out on a bit of recovery time you couldn't come home from six or seven hour bike ride and stop on the couch for two hours yeah. <laughs> um, there wasn't that but um, you know it, I think in a way that, that was quite good so you switch on being a mum and kids you know, They've got no appreciation for what you're doing, so it was all about them, so it
0: was good. Just with that, can I be a bit more specific? You know, like, we we keep people asking what what you actually do. What were some of the strategies? You know, if you're from a six or seven-hour bike ride, you're screwed. So it's like, what are some specific things that maybe you did to make sure you had the energy for the kids, or did you just find being around them brought your energy back up? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I had—I must—I've had a very, very supportive husband who would—I'd uh, be getting home with my six or seven-hour bike ride. He'd run the bath. And I'd, I'd get that. Get my—he knew the most important thing was to get food into me. Otherwise, I'd be absolutely yeah. useless. And you know, give me sort of you know half an hour to get myself together, kind of stuff. And then, yeah, and then it would just be such. I mean, we might—the um, kids were younger then, so we weren't having to go out for do big stuff with them. and It was just sitting down or playing a game with them on the ground or whatever but yeah. it was it was switch on to the kids and, and you know, if so I really did need the time to recover, my husband was supportive enough to, to do that. But, you know, and there was one stage where we were, um, I was training for one uh, particular Ironman and he was, we were both doing the uh, Abel Tasman as a, as a pre-build-up um, yep. kind of Race and he was decided to do it as well, and I, um, having both of us training, I didn't like that because it was a true tag team. Come in one, one go out. It was. I don't know how a couple who are both, you know, both trying to train. I think that would be really tough. Yeah, yeah, we
3: definitely. had
2: that
0: as a discussion last yeah. week, which is interesting. <laughs> I'm single for that reason. <laughs> yeah. One
2: person training, one person training, and being selfish is definitely enough in a relationship. <laughs> and, um,
3: one, one thing, you're sort of uh, looking for a few new goals at the moment. It looks like you're, you're starting to get into a little bit of coaching. I mean, um, how are you finding that and is it just sort of a little bit of a thing that you're doing on the side or, or are you getting yeah, well,
2: get head first? Yeah, no, it is, it's just sort of um, a little thing on the side that Kevin Nickerson and myself set up um, uh, trygoals.com and Kevin's actually, he's, he's writing the, the athletes' programs and things and I'm helping out with spinning and organizing some camps and yeah. some one-on-one training for anybody and that sort of thing. But it's just really neat to see other people achieve their goals and if you know, if what I've done is help them helps them to motivate themselves that you know, it's fantastic to see. So yeah, so that's um that's quite good. So yeah, we've just got that, that little business which is obviously mainly local athletes that we've got around here which is which is really neat.
3: Anybody in the Wellington region, it's trygoals.com, dot com, you go and check that out. Yeah, um we we get a lot of guys on the show and we interview a lot of um, top pros and other coaches and so on. Um, but to be honest we don't have a lot of females on the on the show. Um we've had a couple. Yeah. A couple we've had with Who we Belinda, we've had Belinda, we've had Joe. When did we have Belinda Granger? Oh no, I
0: never actually did it, did I? Yeah, you lazy <laughs> <part>. <laughs> I
3: meant to have Belinda. <laughs> we'll get her soon she you Iron Man China yesterday. We hey, had Joe. Yeah. Um so from a female perspective, I mean and now you've been you've been around Kevin and have been around other guys, I mean, is there anything different you sort of do with your training, um mm, that, point. Per, that perhaps guys might not understand?
2: Um, I wouldn't say there's anything particularly different. I think women are good organisers which I think is, actually really helps with, uh, with Ironman training and uh, especially weird. if you've had some babies mm-hmm. you've got some pretty good endurance there. But um, I, actually the key for me, one of the key things for me was actually was training with guys because they are naturally stronger and it just pushes you that much more out of your comfort zone. I mean you've got to be careful sort of not to burn yourself out but it's um, actually for me I, I prefer to train with the guys. And um, and so sort of doing what they're doing what they're doing. So I wouldn't say it's too particularly different. I actually think women are probably quite good at, quite good at it. Really, you know, because um, it is a big organisational task, and uh, I think we're better at multi-school than you see. <laughs> <laughs>
0: not John and I, but most guys. Do <laughs> um, th- th- what about like the, b- the female body side of things? You know, like obviously you, have your periods and stuff like that. When with stuff like that, is it?
2: Oh, you you try you try and avoid having an Iron Man when you've got that, that's for sure because that's that's not too pleasant. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, we do have that uh, those other issues, and there's certainly you know some time in the months when you can't train as well as you would like to, and but you just gotta get on with it, really. And <laughs> not is there, is there, like, you some
0: you that You take or something to help? Like I wouldn't know because I'm a Guy, you see.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> you could you could go on the pool and and uh, and, and um, adapt it so that you could miss it oh, okay. for, for the peak time. Women would know these things. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> okay. And so okay. I do advise to if you're planning an Ironman to work out about five months before. If you think it's going to going to land, and if it does, then you go and do something about it. Because okay. <laughs> I don't think that would be very nice on the day. yeah
3: Awesome. We in terms of you, we ask the hard questions on the show, see, Becky. We don't knock around. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so in terms of um, two thousand and eight, any particular plans for you? Sounds like you're, you're chilling out a little bit in terms of the, on the racing. Yeah, around, I've actually you?
2: I've actually started hit the workforce actually after eight years out of the workforce. Uh-huh. So that's a bit scary in itself. Stop um, it now. But um, Stop it
1: now.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm actually thinking, well, oh, maybe Ironman is easier. Um, but no, it's um, I had a real tough year actually in two thousand and seven. I um, kind of was mentally tough I was struggling a little bit and physically sort of always trying to chase my fitness I had a couple of broken arms different times that you know from two different incidences and and so after Canada I kind of thought no I need need a break from all this and um, and and time out with the family and all the rest and so I've just been keeping you know a bit of some base fitness here doing some sort of one-off kind of a couple of multi-sport things And I'm not ruling out Maybe um, Western Australia At the end of the year But I, you know, I'm know, i just going to wait And see at the moment So no no, no big plans For me at the moment
0: I, um, I was just wondering what, Where did you find racing I know going from you know Obviously a very very top level Age grouper To racing as a pro Was it a different experience For you or was it pretty much Just the same thing Except you are just Running a different number
2: um, you know, what well, it was different. I mean, obviously, I wanted to compete with the pros, and so I did try to sort of step the training up, but um, I still struggled to find that extra, those extra hours to do that. Yeah. And also, once again, I had a bit of a rough year. I was just chasing the towel really, yeah. a bit with injuries, um... So that that did make it tough, but uh, the one thing I which didn't suit me particularly was the old fifteen minute head start. That was certainly a different um, a different type of race uh-huh. for me. Doing doing Canada, I'm not because swimming, not being my strength. Uh, okay. um, uh, yeah, and so that was a that was a lonely swim, and uh, and then on the bike you just you know there's just no one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was a very very different experience, Canada actually, but um pretty rewarding because it's you know it's purely you out there doing it. And, were, were you um, happy With your race? Yeah and I was I was I mean I came in At 10.01 It's that damn 10 hour barrier For me I haven't quite Managed to break It yet uh-huh. But uh, um, Yeah yeah, I, I crossed The finish line And it, it was Quite emotional Crossing the finish line Because I kind of Knew that This might be the Last one For a while And um I was really, really satisfied, but, you know, Ironman's a funny old beast. You really had to put your race and you finish, and then, you know, you start dwelling on it, and you're going, well, actually, if I'd done that, if oh, I'd done this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think, that, I think that's why you do keep going back. <laughs> yeah, it's
3: true, isn't it? Oh, that's yeah. cool. I mean, uh, I'm sure if you go to Western Australia, that is a nice, fast course over there, so... Uh...
2: Yeah, well, might, you never know. I might better to do the uh, – break the 10 hours, hopefully, by then. <laughs> well,
3: thanks very much for sharing some time with us. And we do um, we do enjoy getting age groupers on the show, or well, age groupers slash pro now. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: just <laughs> oh, just on that, would you race age grouper again or pro?
2: Um, it depends if it's 15-minute hit today. <laughs> oh, really, really? Um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I'm just toying with it at the moment. So it's um, – yeah, I'm, I'm not really – Prepared to make a decision at the moment, so if I once I do, then I'll decide. You know whether I want to go pro or age group. So we'll just have to wait and see.
3: Very good. Well, thank you very much for our time. Pass on our. Um, he has got Kaha on his t-shirt. I noticed on the website. Say so g'day to Kevin from us. Yeah. And, uh, we will. And very, good luck with your year, however it sort of pans out. And uh, and obviously yeah, great. the main thing for you is, is don't work too hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, And
0: also you're obviously a very huge inspiration to those around you because we, we got a lot of emails about yeah. you. Yeah, And uh, so, you know, from the community, you know, you're doing a great job. So. All the better for New Zealand. So yeah, cool. thanks very
3: much for your time, Vicky. Thanks yeah, very much. Cool. Cheers.
0: So the technical problems seem to be uh, testing my ability lately. Uh, getting a little bit on nerve, but that's okay. John and I did record the part of the show, but for some reason... Ah, uh, played up again. Luckily we got the first part of the show in. So I'll tell you what, it was the best end part ever. Honestly. It was the best ever ever. So our anyway, sponsors, we've got Coffees of Hawaii and um just what we were talking about on the on the show when John and I were doing it about how some guy by the name Oh actually I can pull up this email while we're doing it, so I might actually talk about Trybuys first. So trybuys.com, they still are giving away the bike. So now is a good time to get that bike and actually get on the website get your name down for the list now it can't be far away and we really want to make sure that one of the Iron Man Talk listeners wins the bike what kind of bias as you I'm sure you can understand so get on their website join up for the bike plus it's the best place to get your online or any triathlon gear really they're a great range of good product free shipping anywhere in the world if you buy anything over $200 US within the US it's free shipping anyway uh it's no-brainer time, basically. Also, ethlinks.com, uh, ethlinks.com is a great place for you to social network with your, with your other athletes. One thing we're going to be doing with Ethlinks over the next few weeks is adding our blog to their website. So the uh, blog that we're currently using, which is a tight blog, we're no longer going to use. We're going to use Ethlinks as our blog. Now we know each week we get thousands of people actually checking out our blog, so if you want to actually go on and contribute to that, now's the time to join up to Ethlinks. While you're at it, make sure you join the Ironman Talk community, but I think the big thing is to get the most out of Ethlinks is to share it with your friends, so tell your mates, send an email to a mate of yours, yours who is an athlete and, uh, you know, say join up and then you can kind of give each other a bit of banter about results and all that great stuff Ethlinks has. Coffees of Hawaii, Brian Gunn actually sent us an email and he was uh, over in Hawaii not so long ago, I'll just read the email out to you, just wanted to let you guys know I love the show, on a recent trip to Maui I decided to pay one of your great sponsors a visit and went to the Maui Tropical Plantation operated by Coffees of Hawaii, a very cool tour seeing all the different crops and while I was at it I picked up a couple pounds of coffee, this stuff is awesome, I will definitely be ordering, ordering some more so thanks for that Brian so I think he just pretty much sold it Uh, if you ever do go to Hawaii and I'm sure John and I will head over there again one day in our life make sure you go along to the plantation because we've actually had a couple people kind of give us the email report on it and uh, from the photos Albert sent through a few weeks ago it looks really wicked and it's just something different to do while you're kind of on holiday so uh, feel free to do that but also go on the website order the coffee have it out make it look fantastic and you can't go too far wrong just a couple of things. If you want an Ironman Talk jersey, us through. we probably won't be organising those until the end of, or mid-July, until we get back from Germany. Um, Amazon for all your buying. I've started my new podcast called Forever Fitness. Forever Fitness is a podcast that is focused more towards uh, the less fit people, and uh, it's probably not so much for you guys, but you can check it out. There's probably some good stuff on there. But ideally, I'd love if you encourage people around you who um, you know aren't so... Motivated with fitness to actually go on and have a listen and uh, yeah I think Ish and I are kind of doing some cool stuff there um, email questions ironmantalk at gmail.com but other than that that's pretty much this show for this week remember next week we're going to be doing an interview of Scott Molina on his top 10 male and female Ironman athletes of all time I think that's pretty much it we'll be back to normal the week after that um, this to know what am I up to oh, John's actually up in Criteria at the moment he's been training hardcore he's done a 200k bike ride and a three-hour run over the last couple of days, I haven't really ridden much. My bike, <laughs> I won't be riding for three weeks because I've been in Auckland for a week and now I'm off to Bali for two weeks tomorrow. So once I get back from Bali, it's going to be hammer Tom on the bike. So I can't let John cane me too much. It's breaking my heart, I tell you. Anyway, that's pretty much today's show. Uh, I'm Russ. I mean, don't train hard, train smart. Thanks for your time, guys. Kia kaha.